As I was beginning this message uh, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, because I was already beginning to look at what I'd be saying next to you, uh, I saw on the news that morning of the brand new Prime Minister of Great Britain being introduced up at Balmoral Castle to the Queen. And I said, that looks good. And then 36 hours later, we got the message that Queen Elizabeth II had died. I don't know what goes through your mind, but, you know, well, a million things went through mine because I got this porous brain that everything flows through. But one of the thoughts was this verse of Scripture, don't brag about tomorrow. Why not? Because we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, do we? We just don't know. We don't know what the day will bring. We never do. I, I'm going to go back here a slide because I, I, I don't know what I want to use for a title for this message. I'm saying keeping my options open. After the board meeting on Tuesday night, a Thursday night, I said to the board, maybe I should change it to decisions, decisions. I don't know what it is, but, uh, but whatever we need. But there's the word decisions. I wanted to put it up there now. Um, how do you make good decisions? I want us to think about that this morning, about how we begin to make good decisions. Uh, so many verses of Scripture uh, help us to understand how we make good decisions. And I'm going to look at so many of them from the Psalms and especially from Proverbs and Ecclesiastes this morning. But now, Lord, what do I look for? If we're making decisions, our hope is in you. It's got to be in the Lord it's got to be in God as we begin to think about the things we do. Uh, I always have found it so much fun to ask little kids, and we've heard it on TV and watched, you know, Art Linkletter used to do it years ago, um, asking kids what they want to be when they grow up. And most little kids, it's what they've experienced, right? I want to be a school teacher, I want to be a fireman, I want to be a policeman, I want to be a nurse. Exactly one year ago, I went in and had surgery on my wrist and elbow. And that was the same week that my then five-year-old youngest grandson, Charlie, was going into kindergarten. You can't read that. Probably it's too far from you. But Charlie is saying, my name is Charlie. I am in kindergarten. When I grow up, I want to be Papa's doctor. <laughs> yeah? I have saved that picture, and I'll always save it. You know, that was precious to me. That was absolutely precious. And I want to use this as kind of an introduction this morning on the thought of making decisions in changing times. Uh, there are so many choices we have to make, just so many. Uh, last week, we looked at the fact that God gives you a dream for your life. All of a sudden, your eyes are open to what God might have for you. And you begin to think about that. But a dream that God gives you, a God-given dream, and I, anytime I'm using that word dream, I'm talking about a God-given one. A God-given dream is worthless unless you wake up and go to work. Go to work on it unless you make the decision to follow what God has asked you to do. It's, it's useless. 
I think that most of us, uh, we like strong, decisive leaders. Many of you probably went to the polls on Tuesday of this week, and I would suspect that many of you cast your ballot for somebody that you decided was a strong, decisive leader, especially if they lined up with your political views. We've got to throw that part in. Uh, we think that true decisive leaders are those who can make a quick decision, but quickness is not always the important thing. It's making the right one. Some of you who are around here when Pastor Doug was here, uh, you may remember that both Doug and I both graduated from Eastern Nazarene College with degrees in history. That's where we both started. One of my fellow students, when I was there, has gone on, done exceedingly well in the history realm. Now Doug has got his you know, doctorate in theology and leading a church and taken Brian away from us. You know, And uh, it's not true, his daughter took him away from us. And uh, he made up a bunch of T-shirts. And I still have this T-shirt. It says on the front of it, ENC History. It's a little bit seedy looking now. It's got a few holes and a few stains on it, ENC history. But on the back, it says this, any fool can make history, but it takes a genius to write it. <laughs> Thank you, Don Yorksa. We can make quick decisions but making right decisions, any fool can make a quick decision. But making one in God's leadership is a different story. In James, we read this. A person unable to make up his mind and undecided in all that he does must not think he will receive anything from the Lord. King James says a double-minded, right? A double-minded person. The Bible is saying that indecision keeps you from God's best. It says that um, don't let that person think he's going to receive anything from the Lord. If you can't make up your mind, you're limiting God. I don't want to limit God. The most important decision you're ever going to make, though, in life is to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. That's obvious, isn't it? It, I mean, it's important who you marry, it's important where you go to school, it's important the career you choose, but the most important decision is following Jesus Christ, and everything else will flow from that. When you have a dream, a God-given dream, you have to take the next step and see where God will lead you in all that happens. Make the right decisions in life. God gave, I'm got, I, 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 for weeks now, I've been saying some of the same things, using some of the same people, and that's absolutely by intention. God gave Moses the dream of getting the nation out of Egypt, but he had to make the decision to confront Pharaoh. God gave Abraham the dream of starting a brand new nation in a brand new place, but Abraham had to make the decision to leave his comfort and all that he had for a new land. God gave Noah the dream of building, well, of saving his family and others because he kept trying to get others to get 
be saved as well from a worldwide flood. But he had to make the decision to build the ark. The dream and the decision, they go together. The Bible is full of examples like that. And uh, I want to, you know, I've got the names up there. There they all are. But I want to ask this question. I'm going to keep putting up this phrase of ask. Ask, how do I make wise decisions? Well, number one, pray for guidance. Duh, you all say, of course. That's what goes first, right? You've got to pray for guidance. That's where we go. Before you do anything else, get God's perspective on the issue. Here's the verse of Scripture. A man is foolish to trust himself, but those who use God's wisdom are safe. Using God's wisdom. So, under this thought of praying... We ask, we're asking God, what do you want, not what do I want? So now the next thing is get the facts. So we pray first, now get all the facts. Uh, there's no contradiction between, between fact and faith. Uh, if you find out what God wants before you start something. And here we go in Proverbs again. I'm going to keep hitting Proverbs really hard this morning. They say Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Probably true. Yeah, okay. Every prudent man and woman acts out of knowledge. Get the facts so you know what's going on. But here's another one from Proverbs that he says, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Okay? Now that's a very modern paraphrase. But opening, opening your mouth before you think something through. Anyone ever done that besides me? Mm-hmm. I have said so many times, I have spoken for a living now for almost 50 years, so I have said a few things that I shouldn't say. Oh, boy, think about what you're doing. Hey, here's the next one. Ask for advice. Talk to somebody who's made maybe a similar decision. Talk to friends who know your weaknesses and see where you go with that. Here's another one from Proverbs. The more advice you get, the more likely you are to win. Uh, you, you've all heard the story, I'm sure, so many times. I, I know I've used it, of Henry Ford, who was being interviewed. And the interviewer asked him this question, what is the secret of your success? Excuse me while I clear my throat here a little bit. What is the secret of your success? And he said, wise decisions. The interviewer then asked him the question, how did you learn to make wise decisions? And he said, experience. And how did you get that experience? Bad decisions. Is that true? How did some of you learn to drive more slowly? It's called a bad decision of a speeding ticket, right? How did some of you learn, you know, not to, uh, well, we won't go down that road, but you can think of dumb things you've done and realize that, okay. Now, I want to put this up here, too. It's wise to learn from from experience, but it is wiser to learn from the experience of others. Folks, I have lived a lot of years right now, and some of you have lived longer. 
But for those of you who are younger, would you please recognize something? You don't have time to make all the mistakes in life on your own. You might as well learn from the mistakes of others. Look at some of us who are a little bit older and say, man, that was stupid. I'm not going to do that. Or that was wise. I think I will do that. Ask for advice. Learn from the advice uh, from others. Get good advice and you will succeed, says Solomon once again. The problem is sometimes we'd rather appear wise than be wise. Um, we might think we'll look like a bit of a dunce if we ask questions. No, not really. Everybody is, can I use, I've been told so many times, I had a woman in the church 35 years ago who told me I should never use the word from the pulpit stupid. That she was probably right. But I think sometimes we think we'll look stupid if we ask questions. But the thing is, we're all stupid in some different area. Right? There are, there are things you know about that I don't know about. There are things I know about that you don't know about. I th- uh, yesterday I did, only for the second time this year, a craft fair. And uh, I was asked if I would demonstrate. And I first said, absolutely not, because I really don't feel like I'm that good at my craft. But I decided, okay, I'll do it. You know something? There was not one person who came by that craft fair yesterday who was better at it than I was. I was the best there was. And I helped other people learn how to do something that they had never done before, which was kind of fun. It was a lot of fun, actually, trying to teach a little bit. Wisdom and humility go together. Well, let's move on to the next. So, you know, so this, the ask here is ask for advice. The next one is calculate the cost. There is always a price tag to every decision. Um, every decision is going to cost you time, energy, money, your talent, resources. There's always an investment to be made. And look at this verse again from Proverbs. It's a trap for a man to dedicate something rashly and later consider his vows. Got to be careful. Calculate the cost of what's going on. Think about the promises, the commitments you're making. Things are expensive, and I don't mean the cost of eggs. It's the decisions we make. I don't know how many of you remember the name of H.L. Hunt. Uh, He was possibly the richest man in America uh, 100 years ago on oil, Texas oil. And he grew up in total poverty on a farm. He had nothing, but he became a billionaire over 100 years ago. So that's uh, reasonably good. And Hunt made this statement. He, uh, I'm going to quote it exactly to make sure I don't get it wrong. There are only two keys to success in life. One, decide what you really want. And two, decide what you're willing to pay for it. There's always a price tag to every decision. So ask, is it worth it? Now preparing for problems. We're thinking about moving forward here in this church and what we're doing. Preparing for problems. Donald Trump said this, I expect the best, but I always prepare for the worst. It's not bad advice, but somebody a few thousand years before him by the name of, let's see, Solomon, said this, a sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. 
The Bible knew all about Murphy's Law. And you've all seen the bumper sticker that says that Murphy was an optimist. I think that there are times that's true too. But another verse, or another thought, not a verse. Problems are inevitable. They're a part of life. The wise person prepares for problems. So here's the ask here. What could go wrong? And what will happen if it does? Now, as we're making decisions, we need to face our fears. I've struggled with this, this part of the message because I, I think that fear, for some of us, is um, a reason we can't make a decision to follow Jesus, or we don't make a decision to get married, we don't make a decision to accept a responsibility for some leadership position in the church. Maybe we're afraid we'll fail. Maybe we're afraid we won't look as good as someone else. I, you know, there. Are, I think there are times we don't make decisions for the Lord because we're afraid of what could or might happen. So I started thinking about others in Scripture, some of, again, the same people that we've talked about for the last several weeks, who um, made excuses, too, because of their fears. Moses, what was one of his very first responses to God when God said, I want you to lead my people? What did he say? I can't talk. Yeah, get my brother to do it. How many of you have said, get my wife to do it or get my husband to do it? He said, get my, I, I can't talk. I can't do that. How about Gideon? He said, I'm from the smallest tribe and I'm the youngest member of the family. I'm too young. I can't do it. I'm, I'm too young. I, don't, I, don't, I can't do it. I'm, I'm too young. But how about this one? Abraham said what? I'm too old. I mean, we can think up any excuse we want when we do these things. Um, so I'm just going to ask you, what's your excuse? Don't tell me out loud right now. But we, we probably all do them. I believe God has a dream for your life, and Jesus Christ wants to be a part of your life. And some of you are saying, but I don't have the time, I don't have the money, I don't have the education, I don't have the experience, I don't have the contacts, I don't have the resources. If only I were married, if only I weren't married, if only I were older, if only I were younger, you know, whatever it is. We fear, it's fear that's keeping us from making the decisions that God wants us to make. What's your excuse? In Ecclesiastes, we can read this. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. <laughs> Am I standing on anybody's toes yet? If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Perfectionism paralyzes potential. God has always used, this is another phrase that I, I, I struggled with as I wrote it down, but I think I'm right. I think I am. Tell me if I'm not, okay? God has always used imperfect people in imperfect situations to get his perfect will done. 
I don't care how good some of you are, you're still imperfect. And you won't be perfect till we get to heaven. We're moving towards perfection, but we're imperfect people, but God has a perfect plan for all of our lives. If you're waiting for the perfect person to come along, they're not coming. Um, can I do a little aside over here? Think about that when we're looking for our next pastor, okay? Um, the board got back your reviews this week of what you want for the new pastor and who we are as a church. Uh, can I just say this? Jesus is not coming back. Well, not as our pastor. He's coming back, but not as our pastor, so forget that one. All right? Because I didn't, as I went through those reviews, I don't know of any human being that's ever going to come up to if we compiled everything that you put to, that we all put together. Uh, we're going to be without a pastor till Jesus comes. So don't be looking for that. So I was saying about fear and, you know, facing our fears. How do we face them? If God is for us, though, who can be against us? Come on. If God is for us, who can be against us? So we need to move forward. Um, the secret of trusting God in everything is to move against your fear. To do the thing that you fear the most. If you know God is if you know God's will and know God is with you, we just need to move against that Red Sea and it'll part. We need to just know that the manna is gonna come, that God has a plan for everything we are doing. When you don't have the faith to do something, I want you to go ahead and do it, because if you can't make a decision, you're gonna be in all kinds of trouble. I need to have the kids brought back over. If they would, you would get the kids out there, if somebody can hear me out in the foyer, or somebody would just yell it and say the kids, get them over here. I want to show you something from that great theologian known as Dr. Seuss, and see about making a decision. Did I ever tell you about the young Zode who came to two signs at the fork of the road? One said to place one and the other place two, so the Zode had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zode scratched his head and his chin and his pants, and he said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, now that place may be hot, and so how do I know if I'll like it or not? On the other hand, though, I'll be sort of a fool if I go to place two and find it too cool. In that case, I may catch a chill and turn blue. So maybe place one is the best, not place two. But then again, what if place one is too high? I might catch a terrible earache and die. So place two may be best. On the other hand, though, what might happen to me if place two is too low? I might get some very strange pain in my toe. So place one may be best. And he started to go. Then he stopped and he said, On the other hand, though, other hand, other hand, other hand, though, 
And for 36 hours and a half, that poor Zode made starts and made stops at the fork of the road, saying, don't take a chance, you may not be right. Then he got an idea that was wonderfully bright. Play safe, cried the Zode. I'll play safe, I'm no dunce. I'll simply start out for both places at once. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, got no place at all with a split in his pants. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, got to no place at all with a split in his pants. Do you need to be making a decision? I want you to think about doing something great with your life for Jesus' sake, not to waste your life, but to let him lead you, not living in mediocrity. Don't just exist, but make a decision. There are so many decisions that we need to make, but the most important one is what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? I know that we as a church, in the very near future, are going to need to be making a decision about a new pastor. And that's important. And we need to pray about it. We need to be committed about it. We need to get some wisdom from others about it. We need to get into the Word about it. There are so many things that I've been trying to say to you as we make that decision. But the number one decision we all need to make is Jesus Christ personally. That is, that is the basis of everything else. For without Christ in your life, you can't make good decisions. If you haven't done that yet, what are you waiting for? You're going to sit at the fork of the road with a split in your pants? Maybe you need to make a decision for the first time in your life to come and ask the Lord into your life. Maybe some of you need to say, I've asked the Lord into my life, but I need to ask him to fill me completely. I want to be all that he wants me to be. Back when I was a teenager, going to camps in the summer and in the fall retreats and winter retreats back in the 60s, um, there was a song that we used to sing. I know some of you say that the new songs are repetitious. We used to sing songs that never repeated themselves. Like, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Wait a minute. It did repeat, didn't it? But I have decided... Come, please. Let's sing. I want to sing that song in closing this morning. Father, that is the question and our response. No turning back. <laughs> Moving forward. Making the decision day by day to continue to trust you in all things. Lord, I pray that you would be with your people this week as they make the little daily decisions that would show that you are leading us and show others around us that we are being led by your Holy Spirit. I pray now your blessing on us each in your holy name. Amen.